Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special broadcast of Poetry Superhighway Live, a virtual Seder, poets reinterpreting the traditional Passover text through their poetry. My name is Rick Lupert. I am the force behind the Poetry Superhighway and the editor of the book, A Poet's Haggadah. And we have a special show for you today. Normally, we have a monthly open reading where anyone is invited to call in and read their work. And we've had some really great readings over the past year and a few months that we've done the show. And today, it's a, a special broadcast. I've invited the poets who contributed to last year's anthology of poets, Sagada, Passover Through the Eyes of Poets, to call in and share their work. And so just as if it were a real Seder, we're going to actually go through the book in the order that the poets appear. They're arranged by uh, thematically, uh, connected to the different components of the Passover Haggadah. And uh, at different points, uh, I'll point out when, if, if you happen to have wine with you, you can you can take a drink. I was trying to figure out a way to virtually pass on matzah to uh, everyone who's listening, and I, I'm not sure I've, I've quite mastered that, but uh, if somehow matzah appears in the room where you're listening right now, well, well, you'll know what to do at the right time. So uh, last year we released a book called The Poet's Haggadah. It has 36 poets from literally all over the word, world reinterpreting the different themes and components of the Passover Haggadah. Today on Poetry Superhighway Live on uh, this virtual Seder, 17 of those poets will be reading their work. And we, we literally have poets from all over the world. We'll be hearing from people from Florida, uh, the Los Angeles area, Brooklyn, Washington, D.C., uh, West Virginia, Texas, uh, Israel, New York City, and San Francisco. So I'm uh, glad you're with us and uh, very much looking forward to hearing everyone's work. We're going to go first to uh, the very first uh, poet we have is uh, Peggy Landsman. Uh, Peggy, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Rick. How are you? I'm fine. I'm sitting here in Florida. Pompano Beach, Florida. Yeah, Pompano Beach. Pompano is a Pomp- fish. <laughs> I, you'll have to forgive me. I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, I'm a vegetarian a lot, too, but I love to swim in the ocean. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for calling in, and thanks for help opening up this uh, virtual Seder with your poem. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So do you want me to read the poem first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Manischewitz Moon. At the center of the table, Elijah's place is set. He is served along with us, although his food will not be touched. His wine, however, seems to swell within the circle of its cup. I look out the window. Clouds slip silkily over the moon. There in the mood to play matzah cover, mistaking for matzah that old two-faced stone. Who is young? Who wants money? O oh, matzo ball moon, roll your pesadica light on over to me. I long to see you shine in my Elijah's naked eyes. I've always been a sucker for love at first sight. And why should this night be different? On this night, my sweet one, I swan dive like syrup deep into dangerous cups. I open all doors, not wisely, but wide. On this night, I forget to be wary. The haze around the paschal moon is red, 
Some drunk must have dunked the afikomen. On this night, I find I've been chosen. Very nice, Peggy. Thank you very much. It's, a, it's the poem that actually begins the book. Um, it's That's the only poem in, in the Kadesh section of Passover Kadada, and uh, and it's just a, it's a, just a sweet way to, to begin the whole thing. Yeah, well, I'm, I thank you for the opportunity to read it. I wrote it a long time ago, and I, I just know that I had a lifetime of being a drunken child once a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. great. Um, um, is, you know, I asked uh, if, if you would share a, uh, um, you know, a quick Passover anecdote or, or maybe something about the poem which, uh, which uh, you felt connected it with that particular section of, of the Haggadah. What, what do you have? Well, I think it's clear. Manischewitz wine is, is the wine of Passover, and, uh, you know, that's the that grape juice that we drink. <laughs> so that's what inspired it, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Well, that's great. Manischewitz um, finally has inspired something with her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, except for injection. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why we don't have better wine. Uh, you know, I, there's, it, it's interesting. I, I, I guess um, most people aren't used to wine, which is so sweet. And um, and there's something uh, purposeful about uh, about the wine that we drink for ritually being so sweet. And, and maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the thing behind it. Yeah, maybe it is. I didn't think of that. I mean, I think of Rosh Hashanah, you know, starting a sweet year and you have honey and everything. But maybe that's it. I always thought it was to discourage us from enjoying alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, hearing the the stories of your youth, apparently that didn't work. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, Peggy, thanks again for uh, for, uh, being in the book and for uh, opening, uh, opening up the show for us today. Yeah, you're very welcome. And have a good one. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. That was uh, Peggy Landsman calling from Pompano Beach, Florida. We're moving on to the uh, the next poet in the book, Leslie Halpern, calling from Santa Monica. No, I'm, yeah, Leslie, are you there? Yeah, I'm calling from Oviedo, Florida. Oh, well, that's um, that's completely different from Santa Monica. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'll have to have my people uh, uh, check the notes. You know what? I'm going to have to get some people first, actually. Um, <laughs> great. Do you, do you happen? How far is Ovita from Pompano Beach? Um, from Pompano, it's about three and a half hours. Three and so, a half. Okay, so yeah. you, you probably haven't run into Peggy. In your, no, no, your, I don't. I don't know Peggy. Your travels. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, uh, send her an email. She's a good poet. Okay. Um, Leslie, thank you so much for uh, calling in, um, and uh, and your poem is uh, is early on in the Passover Seder, The Importance of Handwashing. Let's hear it. Okay. The Importance of Handwashing. He held my fingers in his hand and gazed upon each digit with such a keen intensity that I began to fidget. How do you keep your nails so clean, he asked, dirty chin rubbing. I take a shower every day so my nails need little scrubbing. Suddenly, his face turned red, ablaze from cheek to cheek. I take two on certain days so I can skip a few each week. I found his bathing schedule exceptionally funny. He thought that you could save them up like piles of unspent money. I said to him, 
Suppose one day you decide you'd like to splurge and take seven showers in one day to state your weekly urge. The bathing-impaired fellow did not share my sense of glee, for that dirty middle finger was extended straight at me. That's wonderful. I, I hope at your stater uh, uh, no middle fingers get extended. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I wrote I that you... Yeah, I wrote, I wrote that poem several years ago. Uh, it was based on a young man I knew in college, and he actually did ask me how I kept my nails so clean. And he was pretty embarrassed when I said, uh, all you have to do is take a shower every day and wash your hands each time you go to the bathroom. <laughs> this, is, this is the... Uh... People aren't just getting poetry uh, today. They're getting really, you know, sage advice on, on, on important issues. <laughs> Thank yeah, you well, for sharing that. You know, I mean, it has nothing to do with Passover, but when I heard about your Haggadah project, I thought, well, maybe it would be a good fit because, you know, we pass around the pitcher, we wash our hands throughout the meal. So, hey, maybe you'll like it. So I sent it in, and what do you know? You did. <clears throat> Apparently. Uh, and it, it was perhaps the only poem I received which had anything to do with hand, hand washing. And, and you, you must have made a why don't, to me it was an obvious connection because of the title, you know, the importance of hand washing. You know, so uh, so well done. Do, do you have any? Uh, I forgot to ask Peggy this, but do you have a, a website or anything where people could find more of your poetry? Um, yes, I'm a member of the performing poetry troupe called Poetry Ensemble of Orlando. Even though I live mm -hmm. in Oviedo. Uh, and we published a book of poetry called Connections, a collection of poems, available through lulu.com. And I'm, I'm also the author of not the nonfiction books, Real Romance, that's R-E-E-L, Real Romance, The Lover's Guide to the 100 Best Date Movies, and a book called Dreams on Film, which analyzes movie dream sequences. And both of those um, books are available through amazon.com. That's great. So you're you're pretty active in in poetry. So that's wonderful. Um, I, I suppose just as an aside, could you tell us the number one uh, dating film was it? Well, I didn't uh, do them in order of one to a hundred. I just picked out one hundred great films and I divided them up into ten different categories. However, my favorite is The Princess Bride. As far as I'm concerned, it works on every level. It's very it does poetic. Work on every level. It's poetic in its own way. Great. Well, Leslie, thanks so much for calling in, and thanks for being a part of the book. You know, your poem, uh, when I read it last year, it had one meaning to me, but uh, uh, this year I'm a father. My son is, is uh, six months old, and uh, we, um, of course, have to bathe him. And, uh, you know, unlike, say, adults who theoretically would shower or bathe every day, it, it's not an everyday kind of thing, and we keep, my wife and I keep looking at each other and go, have it, you know, how many days has it been since we, we, uh, we uh, bathed our child? So uh, that's what was in my head when you were uh, reading. Well, there will come a time when, uh, trust me, he will need a bath every day. Well, <laughs> I, I won't say I'm looking forward to that, but, uh, but uh, thanks again for calling in and sharing your work. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Bye. That, bye. That was uh, Leslie Halpern calling from Oviedo, Florida, not Santa Monica, as I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, moving right along, we're actually moving into the Magid section of the Passover Haggadah. That's the that's where the story is told, and uh, one of the most uh, interesting uh, storytellers I know is Ellen Maybe from uh, here in L.A. Hi, Ellen. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Great to hear your voice. Oh, you too. Thank you. Now, I I wasn't sure. Are you? Uh, do you live in L.A. or is it Venice or Santa Monica? Or? Oh, it's near, right near Venice, so I'm close in Marina. Yeah. So. Marina. Okay. Yeah. Great. So uh, 
your poem is the four questions. Um, I, I, there's, I guess there's about three poems in the book that deal with the questions, so uh, poets must have a lot of questions, as it were. So uh, let's hear yours. Okay, thank you. The four questions. To honor the coming of Passover, I ask my mind to partake of a Seder. I set the table. Unleavened anxiety flowed from the kitchen like a magician's endless scarf. Bitter herbs made onions of my eyes. There, there are four questions I'd like to ask, but I'll settle for this one. Do you love me? Fiddler on the roof and it's longing for a match, a miracle, and a musical shtetl. There's a place in our past that is less than a century old. We set a place at the table for it. Sometimes it looks like six million hands reaching out for a bar of soap. Sometimes it looks like a voter registration card sticking out of a swamp propped on the fingertips of Schwerner, Cheney, and Goodman. Sometimes it looks like the five-year-old face put on the post office wall as the taunts of Christ killer drown out any realistic chance for nap time. I have a questioning nature. Trees of how come surround me and tell me their bark is sweeter than the bite history has in mind for those swallowing the chocolate-coated TV sets. The four question marks wearing the masks of horsemen put their hooves on the table like they own the place. I ask for someone to hide the Afi Coleman, but nobody wants their hands to touch it. Some say I'm searching for a wish so powerful that the piece of matzah is covered in a controversy of ash. There's a cantor swaying in the Talmud, singing next year in serenity. At first it sounds like a hummingbird doing push-ups on the oracle of your ear. After ten minutes it sounds like the fire Kafka wanted to death his words into. There's a place at the table for Elijah. Many glasses brim with Lachaim to welcome the invisible world. A family sits shivering for a week, trying to make forgiveness a verb. I change the question from do you love me to I love you. There is matzah on your breath. I wonder, have you been searching for me too? That's wonderful, uh, Ellen. I, the matzah on your breath, I'm just imagining instead of someone coming home drunk to their suspicious, you know, spouse or, or partner that uh, they, they smell matzah on your breath and they get an accusatory, have you been at another Passover Seder or something of that nature? Um, it's so funny. <laughs> so do you, um, what's, what's your Passover experience? I mean, uh, tell me about this poem. Oh, oh, it depends. I mean, it really varies. I mean, it it, it varies. Sometimes I go to a Seder. Sometimes I end up at Jerry's Deli for the Seder meal. I mean, it's very unconventional. It's it's not real certain all the time. Yeah. Is that is that where the poem came from, or did you have a from from your younger days uh, something that where that poem came from? Yeah, I mean, one of those crushes I get, you know, one of those crush things, yeah, inspired by that, you know, and the hopefulness of crushes sometimes, or, you know, what you hope, you know. Right, absolutely. Um, So where can people find more of your uh, work? Um, it's there's a website. I mean, my name is spelled with a Y, so it's like E L L Y N M A Y B E, and just like dot com. There's a site. I recall a misspelling your name about 20 years ago, and I've been very conscious of the Y ever since. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> it's probably the first thing I, I think when I when I see you, uh, Ellen. Uh, for everyone listening, is is a has been a part of the LA, LA's poetry scene for a long time, and 
and I, you know, run in those circles as well. So I've been seeing Ellen at readings for many, many years. So probably every time I see you, before I even think to say hi and I'm overjoyed, I just think, okay, there's a why, there's a why. <laughs> it's funny because the why came very early, like when I was born, but the maybe came a lot later. But they go, it's nice that there's these two whys. I mean, it was serendipitous but accidental, you know. <laughs> it looks right. cool, even though it was unexpected. So that's kind of trippy. <laughs> As are you, Ellen. As are you. Um, it's always great to hear your work. Thanks so much for sending this poem into the book and for our reading on today's show. Oh, thanks for all the things you do, really. I mean, this is a wonderful book, and you just do many things that make the community, you know, just extra special. So thanks again for what you do. You know, thank you. My, my pleasure. All right, Ellen. That was uh, Ellen Maybe calling from Marina, Marina Del Rey, California. Uh, reading her poem, The Four Questions. Uh, we're moving on uh, across the country to um, Brooklyn, New York, and we have uh, Adam Schechter on the line. Hi, Adam. Hey, Rick. How you doing? I'm doing good. Rick? Uh, Brooklyn. Well, so, so there's Jews in Brooklyn. Uh, tell me about this. There's a couple of Jews in Brooklyn. Uh, sometimes I can walk down the street and go for days and days and not see one. But uh, you do you do find a Jew here and there. That's kind of like L.A. and screenwriters. Exactly, exactly. I mean, in in fact, I live in a small little neighborhood next to Borough Park, which has the largest concentration of Hasidim in the world, I believe. I believe there's even more Hasidim in Borough Park than in all of Israel. Wow, that is uh, that's a that's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that so? Is that the world that you come from, or are familiar with, or what's your? Uh... Oh no, 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 no! I, I was uh, I was raised in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and uh, the difference between Park Slope and Borough Park is like traveling across a thousand years worth of time and traveling across uh, across the globe. It's, it's much, much different. Uh, it was a kind of uh, I mean, there was a strong Jewish presence, but it was. Mainly like a, a, it was a secular, multicultural haven. It was just basically a bunch of hippies from the '60s and '70s settling down and and reproducing. <laughs> well, there's a vision we all needed uh, yeah. <laughs> at this point yeah. in this era. So, Adam, let's see. Your your poem is the two questions, and I, kn I know you're only going to read a part of it because it's a it's a longer one. So, uh, did you want to tell us anything about it or launch right into it? Uh yeah I mean it's uh it's an interpretation of the two quest of the four questions uh you know I was I was raised with very little uh Jewish religion and uh, uh a couple of years back I, I got involved with uh you know a Chabad house and uh you know that was that was full of a lot of creative Balchuvas, you know, a lot of creative people coming back into the, the Jewish religion. And uh, even though I never actually became religious per se myself, the the poem, uh, I mean, the the, uh, the poetry kind of became a way of, of taking what I vicariously picked up with with those kinds of people and finding an uh, an essence of of uh, the Jewish religion that I could directly relate to. Cool. So, so let, let's hear it. Okay, great. All right, so I'm not going to read the answer to the first question, but the first question is, why are all other nights the same as this one? 
And the second question is, what constitutes a new night? The Passover offering, the opportunity to be passed over, to be spared suffering, to dodge the depressing, transparent inheritance. The Passover offering states misery's hunger, quiets the ancestral starvation. We feed the parental ghosts, feel them, freeze free, intoxicate them with bread flesh so they will float over us. Their anguish extinguished, murderous mechanical eyes, alive or already dead, are shut down with drunken, yeastless sleeping. Their selfish, childish jaws have moved, and it was not with the ligaments of our filial happiness coming apart in their teeth. We feed the past, so we do not have to live in it, be swallowed in it, die in it. The past which curls up large and deserted, a bland white formation over everything. We eat mother's bitter shadows, move our lips with the glue that bound father's gloom, taste their hopeless familial oil on our tongues. We do not spit, choke, gag. Our mouths can think because they are with a new third parent. So we chew, tearing apart their narrow eternal structures and at the core of this depressive carbohydrate is the tertiary joke Jewish community. Speak the traditional words and then leave Egypt down our throats into our and then out. We leave Egypt. Together, the family cataclysm is neatly organized around the table of suffering. A table symmetrically spread with cunning submission. A table passed over. We place ourselves in this friendly mannerism so as not to taste mom's desolation in our lives, but emerge out of a portal with the body memory of thousands of years made accessible to a simple ritual. Echoing, we taste the flat levity, impervious to our own appetite for famine, pouring, swishing with the filament of our starvation myth. We sit, happy time travelers, grasping strangely neutered bread, crunching, still here, devouring the end of a long family night. Okay, well, there well, it is. Very well read, uh, Adam. Do you, do, you, do you participate in readings around uh, the city? 
I do. I do. I, I have not been uh, doing so as of late, but I've definitely spent chunks of time reading, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of hot spots, the Bowery Poetry Club, the Cornelia Street Cafe. I don't know if you've read of these places yourself. Uh, I've read the Jewish Museum Heritage, uh, you know, just tons of spots all, all over the city. Synagogues, in fact. Oh, interesting. I, I've read it one place in New York City, and it wasn't one of the places you mentioned. Um, uh, I, I forget the name of it. it. It wasn't the Bowery, though. The Bowery is what I hear um, a lot of people I know going through these days. Uh, the, the New Yorican, that's where I read. Oh, um, I don't know. wow. Yes, yes, of course. When, when did you read there? It was a few years ago. I, I, um, I put a book out called Up Liberty's Skirt, which is poems I wrote in New York City, I don't know, six seven years ago or so, and uh, and it was uh, on that trip um, where I wrote uh, uh, wrote all this uh, poetry. That's that's when I stopped into the New York and uh, it was the only reading I knew of that was going on at the time uh, on on the day that I could go, and it was a it was a slam of all things, you know. But I just oh wanted, wow yeah I just wanted to participate in, in something uh, poetry uh, related in New York. So um, Adam, how can people find more of your work? Okay, well, I, uh, I, I edit a, uh, a website online. Uh, it's uh, www.bluejewyorker.com. And uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. And uh, I especially encourage people to submit their work. There's so many wonderful writers in, uh, in the Poets' Data. It's, it's an honor to have the Poets' Data. It's an honor to have my poem in it. And uh, I'd love it if, if people... People sent work over to the Blue New Yorker as well. Cool. Well, thanks so much for calling in. I really enjoyed your piece. And if, if you want to see the other half of it, of course, you got to get the book, A Poet Sagata, which you can find at poetsater.com. And the website is bluejewyorker.com. Yes. Dot com. Okay. Great. Well, great to hear you read, and thanks for calling in and being in the book. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Rick, and, and have a happy Passover. You too. That was uh, Adam Schechter calling from Brooklyn, New York. An another poet from Brooklyn is, is, is will be calling in a little bit later. Again, imagine that, uh, two poets, uh, Jews from Brooklyn. Uh, moving back across the coast right now to Santa Monica, California. I think I've got this right this time. It, it really is Santa Monica. It's Lynn Bronstein. Hi, Lynn. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm doing Okay. Great, and you are in Santa Monica. I have a fear that everyone that I say is in Santa Monica is actually in Pompano Beach, Florida, or Pompano. Oh, no, actually, I am in Santa Monica, quite close to the ocean. Fantastic. Do you, do you also swim in it, like our earlier caller did? I stick my feet in it once in a while. <laughs> I've been hearing about the quality of the water. <laughs> so That's true. That very is... warm weather, weather I'll go in. I actually threw my sins into the ocean last September, the Tashalik ceremony. I actually threw some yeah. ashes into the ocean. Actually, it was not ashes. It was breadcrumbs, and the, and the seagulls immediately came down and ate them. Well, that's, that's good, feeding your sins to the birds. We, uh, I used to work for an organization called Hillel, and we would uh, take our students there every year, uh, to, not there, but to uh, uh, Lake Balboa Park in Encino, and we'd, we'd uh, feed our sins to the ducks there, and we, we called it duckscaping. And so... Uh, <laughs> We're all about that. So uh, you also have a, a questions poem, and it's called Kasha's. 
Well, that's that's the word for the four questions. We always call them the four kashas in my family, and I was uh, qualified to read them up to a certain point because I was the youngest until my brother, who was actually younger than I am, was able to read them. And, and he read them, and then he recited them in Hebrew when he learned that. And for a long time as an adult, he still recited them because the youngest person at the table still has to recite it. He now has a daughter, so she can recite it instead. That's great. So I'm I'm guessing that's a Yiddish word. Kashas, I yeah, I think that well, you know, kasha is also something that we eat. That's the the cereal, the the, the brown stuff. But it it, all, it also is supposed to mean questions. Okay. I guess I would question a, a brown bowl of stuff as well. Well. Um, uh, oh well, I let, wanted to. Let's, I want, yes. Go go ahead. Oh, I wanted to explain this poem by saying this contains. Uh, a lot of inside jokes about the Passovers I've lived through with my family. There are people mentioned in this poem who are real people. There's one character who really exists who always felt discouraged that he ended up with the passage about the simple son. And, and so there's all sorts of inside jokes in this. And I'm dedicating this to my mother, who is 94 years old and lives in the Pacifica Senior Home in Newhall, California. And I, I want to burn a CD of this broadcast for her to listen to afterwards. Um, I'm sure in some way that's possible. Okay, I'm going to read the poem. Okay. Why is this night different from all other nights? Because tonight even the kids get to drink wine that's sweeter than Kool-Aid. And after a while, the archaic grammar of the text will be difficult to read without a lot of giggles. Because tonight we will try to recline and will mostly slip off our chairs from the second-hand pillows Mom padded them with. Because tonight, the special silver-plated service is out and the cups with turquoise enameling from Israel that we usually just look at through the glass windows of the cabinet. Because tonight, the diet goes out the window. Because tonight, my mother will forget that she said she could not sing, and by a miracle, she will sing along with Dayenu and who knows one. And my friend will observe that he never saw my mother so happy as when she sang at Passover. Because tonight, my cousin will cover her ears and complain of our irreverent sound effects during Chagadiah, the tale of the goat. But it's what we've always done. For my father told us of his father and uncles dancing on top of the table. On Passover, we can be joyous, and we can be what might be called irreverent. Because tonight, Bob, for once, may not have to read the part of the simple son. Because tonight, there is someone really young who will read the four kashas instead of my brother, who has been doing it into the years of gray. Because tonight, the family feuds are suspended. Because tonight, we prove our valor when the horseradish for moror, the bitter herb, goes up our noses. Because tonight, there is no TV because we are the stars, and we don't exist in the work world, the school world, the city world, or the world world. We exist only in our exodus world, our Red Sea crossing over, our ten plagues surviving, our daily problem overcoming, worldly crisis triumphing world, kicking back our shoes under the table as we laugh off the 3,000 years since this journey, our most wonderful time of the year in the spring holiday. Because tonight is our night, and we rule. 
We do rule. <laughs> and I mean that to anyone who's listening. We, we, we're in a club of people who rule. Um, Lynn, that was a great reading of that piece. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, the, the concept of inside jokes, and there was nothing in the poem. Um, I mean, you certainly reference people and things, but there's nothing I, I feel that was per se inside that isn't accessible to anyone who might be reading or, 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 or listening to it. That, that's interesting. We all feel that our own families and our own lives are so unique, and we're the only ones that do this or that. And then people sometimes come up to you at a reading and, and say, oh, you know, that, that goes on in my family, too. It's just so interesting how it does touch bases with people. True. And I think there, there's another, even outside of this particular topic, uh, you know, in poetry, sometimes we, uh, I, I know I've done it, where I, I wanted to, you know, write about a particular person or thing, and I, I was talking with another friend of mine and said, well, who's going to care about, you know, this person or this thing? Why should I bother putting it in a, in a poem? And, and, and the answer was, well, if, if you are writing about it, it's important, and therefore we'll read it and understand it. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's okay, and it's not really an inside joke. It's, it's, it's sharing with everyone a, a glimpse of a specific thing that we can, that we can all relate to. Hmm. Well, Lynn, uh, can, do you have a website or anything? Can people find more of your work? I have a website, but I can never remember the URL. So I tell people just Google the name Lynn Bronstein, and you will get my website, you will get my MySpace page, and you will get many other websites that have poetry that I wrote, fiction that I wrote, articles that I wrote, things that other people wrote about me. It's just a long list. Lynn Bronstein, it's L-Y-N-N-E. Right. Bronstein, B-R-O-N-S-T-E-I-N. Great. Well, I really appreciate you, appreciate you calling in and participating in this project. Okay. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Yeah. Lynn Bronstein calling from Santa Monica, California. We're staying on the West Coast and moving to another part of L.A. for Pam Ward. Hi, Pam. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, I can't believe I'm on. Okay, you know you are so funny, Rick. You don't. I you, I don't even know if you know how hilarious you are. Um, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Um, I, I haven't had any tests done or seen any you know, documents uh, indicating it. I'm, I guess I'm just going to have to take your word for it. You'll have to. This has been a very enjoyable listen. Thank you. So I'm excited to have you on. Um, I, I love this piece, and I love the way that you read. And uh, um, I like uh, Ellen maybe before, and, and even Lynn. Really, I've been I've been seeing you for many years in different parts of LA, and it's and it's very cool to not only have people who I've never met from all over the world uh, in this book, to have people who I, I I know and love, you know, have thought enough to uh, send something in. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've been in the trenches for a while. We sure have. Um, so Passover blues, what's that about? I, I suspect your Passover uh, uh, experience may be different from, from mine. Yes, it is. You know, um, being a very pale-skinned black person, just the word passing, it, you know, has such a deep connotation, and there's quite a few um, people that actually do pass and and basically pass over into another community. So I was thinking about that and, and the notions of slavery and the you know Jewish experience in slavery and I don't know. Mom says we have some Jews blood in us somewhere. So you know, 
African Americans are such a melting pot. But I, I just wanted to write something that was from a different perspective, um, the slave's perspective. And this is based on a true story about my grandmother. Passover blues. All right. I don't know about you, but I have runaway slave roots. Roof-jumping fools who'd rather rot than be tied, who'd rather leap than be horse-whipped or forced to work free, who ran off escaping the torture and rape are being strung like some clothes on a line. I don't know about y'all, but my grandma was slick. The original midnight creep, she tipped off one moon, jumping two stories. All she took from slavery's jaw was a fat, busted lip and the almighty gall. Ducking through fields, hiking in hills, living on snake juice and grime. And damn it, bitch, why won't you die? Wandering alone just like Moses for 40 long nights until she hit California's bent spine. I don't know about yours, but I have blue overseer eyes. And the bondage still taints the hue of my skin. But I got grandma, black and rich, heating my neck bones and thighs. It's a renegade mix of pure spitfire and pride. I won't pass over like some of those poor lost black souls. I will flow red and rich like a good satyr wine, racing like the Pacific, whipping rock into slush. Always running, always coming, each wave thunderous and free with the strength of a runaway slave. I'm so thrilled to have that poem in this book, Pam. Thank you for sending it. I, I would describe your poetry as, as uh, a renegade mix of pure spitfire and pride. <laughs> I know. I, there's so many. I'm such, I'm such a weird, there's such a motley crew in my family. And, you know, if you grow up in the West Coast, you know, we're as far away from the forefathers as you can get. And it really is a wild, wild west. I mean, I have cops and robbers in my family. and the cops can be worse than the robbers, but we won't go into all that. Well, that would be an interest, interesting uh, Passover Seder sit-down, I would think, having them all there. Yes. And I think you're right, you know, I, in terms of, you know, you possibly having Jewish roots. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone does. I mean, you know, in a, in a, in a way, I've always, I, you know, that we all come from that, you know, cradle of the civilization in some way or another, and, and, uh, Ten lost tribes, most of which probably went to uh, Africa in some way or another. And uh, no offense to anyone, I've always felt Christianity was just kind of the sequel to Judaism. You know, people just kind of there you go. went off from there. So I, I'm sure we're all distant cousins in one way or another. That's right, man. You look at Egypt. You know, Jews in Egypt. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're not there now. <laughs> Me too, Rick. I'd rather be on California's. Nice hot soil. Yeah, you have a website or books people can check out? Uh, yes, I do. The website is pamwardwriter.com. Uh, I have two novels. My latest one, Bad Girls Burn Slow, about criminals in the funeral business. And my first one, Once Some Get Some, is crime, a crime scene after the L.A. riots. So that's it. But anyway, thank you, Rick, for this because this is such a cool project and I'm glad you're doing it actually before Passover this time because it was so great to participate in it and and the book rocks. So I'm going to buy some more and review it. Yay. Is that tacky? That's but we're going to do it anyway. 
Please do. I um, it, it's funny. I was your your comment about uh, criminals in the funeral business. I'm just wondering, you know, like how much more can you do to dead people? I know it, it's rotten what they do to dead people. I mean, I I tell you, you guys have the right idea with the with the pine wood box, but what they're selling down there on uh, Crenshaw Boulevard, you know, they know who they are. $10,000 worth of stuff that's just going to, you know, dissolve, and it's just to make people feel good. I, I, you know, they should rot in hell. But that's just well, my we'll, personal opinion. We'll send them an email and let them know. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking about this the other day. I kind of want to just be buried without a box and plant sunflowers. Yeah. And, you know, and just hey, you know, it's the ultimate composting. There you go. Pam, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for calling in, and thanks for being in the book. My pleasure. It's Pam Ward calling from L.A., California. We are moving to Washington, D.C. now and uh, saying hello to Beth Cantor. Hi, Beth. Hi, Rick. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. We've moved into the Avadim Hayinu section of the book, um, and coincidentally, that's what your poem is called. I know. What a coincidence. Um, so do, uh, why don't you read it? Sure. Okay. Remember once we were free, free women and men who crossed the sea, walked thirsty and hot through a desert to free, but today we are slaves, enslaved to our own hearts hardened by trans fatty acids and overexposure to reality TV, slaves to frequent fire miles, to online shopping, and to pretending we don't read People magazine, to Ziploc bags, Diet Coke, and to checking our email while sitting in the audience of preschool performances. But remember once, a long time ago, we were free, free without credit card debt, the CNN crawl and ringtones, free without Prozac, Blenda, and a war we hate but don't actively protest. Remember once, a long time ago, we were slaves, but then, hot and hungry, we walked free. So do you, do you feel not free now because of all of these things that you listed? You know, it's funny because I, when I wrote this, it was uh, during a different political era here in particularly in Washington, I think we felt under some very dark clouds. Yeah. Um, so it, it feels different now. It feels like people are getting their freedoms back. Hopefully. Hopefully, indeed. I mean, it's, I wonder if, if other people feel the same way or, or, or acknowledge, you know, uh, you know, forget the political regime, how we, mm -hmm. we, we can be slaves or, or, or idolized to move into another area, you know, certain kinds of things, whether it's TV or, or, or any kind of, uh, you know, material item or things that we just have to do and the way that we have to look and all of that kind of thing. Sure. And I think especially here, everybody, I mean, everywhere this is true, but, you know, everyone has one blackberry or two blackberries and they're so focused on what what's happening two minutes from now instead of living in the moment. Right. And I, you know, Avadim Hayinu, of course, uh, is uh, to me, it's it's the it's the main you know essence of Passover. We used to be slaves, and now we're mm -hmm. free. You know, it's everything. Everything else is commentary and stories about how that right. happened. And so it's uh, uh, if we are free, you know, let's let's be free. You know, and and, right. and and not be enslaved to all these things. So great to hear that. Or um, do you do you participate in readings in the D.C. area? Um, not so much these days. I have two little kids, so I do a lot of uh, bedtime story readings. 
right now. Um, and the, I would imagine the audience is very receptive and buys all your chat books. Exactly. Or at least, or at least owns really, them. <laughs> they're really loyal and really tough critics, but uh, that's, that's good. Uh, I do a lot of writing for magazines, actually. Probably a lot of things you see in the waiting room of your uh, pediatrician's office. And I do some uh, chapter for guidebooks about Washington and other projects here and there. Well, the next time I am in a pediatrician's waiting room, I will look for your name you in all the me. periodicals. I'll be there <laughs> telling you something useful, hopefully. <laughs> I hope so, because I could use useful information. Okay. Um, <laughs> do, do you have an, is your website online anywhere if someone wants to? I do have a website. Up? It's bestcancer.com, it's, uh, and actually my project this week is to update it. So hopefully this will be a, a cancer, and that's, push to do that's K A N T E R. Great, BethCancer.com, so people can check you out there. Beth, I, I enjoyed your poem a lot, and I'm, I'm happy Thank to have you. you in the book. Thanks for calling. Thanks for including me. This was nice. Thanks My a pleasure. lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Beth Cantor calling from Washington, D.C. Uh, zooming back across the coast, uh, right now we are going to head to Irvine, California, uh, to James Palacio. Hi, James. Hi, Rick. How are you? Well, like millions of Americans, I'm struggling, but I am thrilled to be uh, on this program and in this book that has such lovely people like Ellen Maybe and uh, uh, Elizabeth Iannacci and Larry Coker and uh, Pam Ward. It's just amazing to me, and uh, I'm, I'm very honored, and I have to reiterate Pam Ward's statement that you are the funniest individual in the universe. You know, it's funny. I um that you should say that because I was driving to a reading last night in Santa Ana, uh -huh. uh, which is in Orange County, and I, I thought you might be there. I, uh, James is another person who I know from the, from Southern California's poetry scene. Actually, I, I tried to be there. I got lost, and I was 45 minutes late, and by the time I got there, I wanted to kick in a wall. So I decided not to stay. Oh, that's a shame. It was a, it was a fun night. I, I was there as well and was also lost <laughs> while in the room. But... Uh, it, you know, I thought, you know, sometimes people introduce me as, as the funniest man or, you know, whatever, and uh, I, I, if someone did that, I was going to say, well, you know, James Palacio says I'm the funniest man in the universe, but he only knows six people and five of them are dead. <laughs> so thank you for saying that now because I, I didn't welcome. get to say that last night. So let's hear your poem. My poem is In the Midst of Flight They Forget, subtitled Why Prince of Egypt Disappointed. And... Uh, as the title uh, hints at, it is inspired by the movie, the animated movie, Prince of Egypt, which had Val Kilmer and Michelle Pfeiffer doing voices and so forth and so forth. Yes. And um, I'm going to try to read this as mellowly as possible because when I'm on stage, I can be quite loud with this piece, but uh, I, will, I will try to restrain myself. Well, I don't think you'll frighten anyone since we're not actually in your presence at the moment, so feel free to go nuts. <laughs> okay. Parting seas, evil swarms, black plagues. Oh, yes. It's a musical. Moses played by Batman. It's the staff. Chicks dig the staff. Catwoman appears to quote the Kama Sutra. The third row man notes, Gandhi didn't write the Kama Sutra. Oceans migrate, tides shift, the burning bush speaks. Ebonics. 
when will you believe? Firstborn uh, taken, thrown into car commercials, product placement, the Hollywood sign is butchered, passed out to the drowning masses. Mount Ararat is auctioned off in parcels on the net. The winds of change whisper, Mariah. Oh, sweet Mariah. Gives us her all. Gives us a climax every time. Gives us Hollywood, as produced by Vegas. Bubblegum culture mana cascades from saffron painted skies, but it's seven fifty a pop and doesn't include parking. We stand dripping in lamb's blood as corporate spirits pass above advertising the latest in teenage footwear. We raise strangled hands, shout hoarsely to broken nosed gods, Let my people go Klatu, Baratu, Niktu Nike, just do it. Hey, we are promised. Some lovely violence, the head of Cole Porter, his thin piano fingers kicking and screaming from a sampling board. The Gershwins fed to the MGM lion, over the rainbow recast in a woman's prison, a girl's locker room, a mud pit with two chesty strippers glinting like beach miracle fish in Galilee. Hollywood is ready for its close-up, demands disco, funk, busby, Berkeley, tricked up in trip-hop. I'll save a prayer for the lizard-tongued acolytes sacrificing sunflower-faced ingenues to backstreet boys' demographics. Save a prayer for the machines grinding our breath. Save a prayer for the common denominator, the trivial pursuit, the romantically tragic spreading honeyed palms singing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. James, I take it back. I am frightened. <laughs> just kidding um great reading of that piece i you know of course i've seen you read that in person a couple of times and if, you, yeah. if anyone listening if, if you ever have the chance to see james read besides being a loud experience it's certainly worthwhile uh an engaging one um james so let, let me ask you a question i uh i, I know you're not a jewish so tell me the do you have a passover connection or what you know is there anything besides the movie that connects this to to the story that you well, want to I mention? Just, I just uh, I think of the story about flight, and uh, I know when uh, you sent out the email and there were certain sections, I remember looking at a certain section and thinking that it connected to the poem in some way, and um, so I sent it in, and uh, apparently you thought the same way. No doubt, yeah. I mean, it, it, there are many different um, sections in the Passover uh, um, uh, Seder, uh, and... Um, the uh, you know the one that we're kind of reading poems from right now is the uh, is the story where the story is told and, and certainly what I was thinking of what you know what came to my mind just now even when reading your poem is that sometimes the way that we know history the way that we can actually picture it is from the images in movies exactly. you know I mean so many people's um, knowledge of say the Passover story comes from having seen the Ten Commandments. Exactly. So when you say Moses, and you know, generations, a couple of generations of people immediately picture Charlton Heston, you know, with that particular robe he was wearing with his staff on, on the line with the beard and everything, and that's, that's the image that we have. And it's uh, interesting. I mean, you know, the, uh, in, a, in a non-Jewish sense, I, I, I saw the movie uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, for, forgive <laughs> me for bring, bringing up Jesus during the, <laughs> the Passover uh, Seder here, but, you know, 
um, occasionally I teach at a synagogue and questions about well, what what is Christianity what you know what don't they do this differently and and my entire knowledge of the history of, of Christianity comes from having seen the movie uh, seen the musical Jesus Christ Superstar you know but <laughs> yeah um, exactly which which of course is not going to be the actual story but uh, definitely uh, the gist of it um, in some manner. I probably should have used uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Air Dream Code as an example for for this particular show. <laughs> but um, cool, James. Uh, yeah. Do you have a place where people can go and check out uh, your uh, involvement? Um, I don't have a website, but you can find me on Facebook. If you do friend me on Facebook, just send me a message though, because I I don't friend anybody that I don't know or that doesn't send a message. Um, you know, because there's a lot of scammers out there. No doubt. Well, James, I appreciate it. It's James, J-A-I-M-E-S, Palacio, uh, P-A-L-A-C-I-O. Um, check him out on Facebook. Um, he's, he's always, uh, if, you, if you live in the Southern California area in particular, um, uh, James sends out a lot of info about uh, poetry readings and things like that, so it's a good, he's a, a good person to know, to know what's going on in, in the scene here. James, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for, uh, for having me on the show. <laughs> My pleasure. I was uh, James Palacio from Irvine, California. We are uh, heading back to Florida now, and I'd like to say hello to, uh, let's see, Howard Kamner from Miami, which is a Floridian city that I can actually pronounce. Hello, Rick. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Howard? Good, good, good. Can I quote a friend of mine? This is a little off color, but... uh, a friend of mine said, "If the United States was a human body, Miami would be the rectum." So, <laughs> well, my, and uh, he, he's a psychotherapist. So there you go. Yeah. That's great. Um, my uh, my uh, family, my my dad's family, lives in uh, Florida. So I will uh, be Uh-oh. sure to get on the phone with him immediately after the show. And <laughs> Let him know. <laughs> rectum of Florida, in case they were wondering what that smell was. You know? That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, before you get going, I just I want to remind um, the, the other poets uh, who are uh, waiting to call in to make sure you're calling because I don't have a, have the next people online. So uh, Daniel Y. Harris, you're going to be up next, and uh, Julia Stein as well. You're coming up, and Barbara Elvick. So uh, please do call in so uh, we can go right to you when uh, uh, when uh, when it's your turn. So uh, Howard, um, how are things in the rectum? Uh, the rectum is, uh, you know, pink flamingos, alligators, all that stuff. So we're we're doing fine. We're doing okay, and uh, it's good. What can I tell you? We're okay. So, uh, go ahead. No, your poem is is the wicked son, and I'd love to hear it. Yes. Okay. The wicked son. The wicked son counts himself out. It's not his scene. It's yours. He didn't make this world, it's not his problem, so he keeps to himself, he keeps constant. He watches from behind his walls and never lifts a finger, except maybe to point or push or punish. The wicked son is bad news. He is self-contained, self-indulgent, and self-centered. He's a self-made mistake and he knows it. He don't care when you left, if you left, or where you went. He just wants to know why. The wicked son needs no one. He makes that loud and clear with every move he makes. 
He spells it out for you, whether you need him to or not. He is a missing piece who never tried to fit in, a black hole in the sky where a star should be, and a creation all his own. The wicked son counts himself out. It's not his scene. It's yours. You know, you read that so convincingly. I'm. Do, do you know a wicked son? Uh, you know, where did that uh, come I, from? I am a wicked son, so oh, there in, you go. In, in, in a nice way. Actually, actually, that poem was a little bit of a revenge because when I was a kid, the Passover seders were run by my Uncle Israel. And Uncle Israel, they, we had them in Jacksonville. And Uncle Israel was about three feet tall and he had the presence of Godzilla. I mean, you knew this guy was in the room. <laughs> That's a hell of a and, presence. Yeah, and he 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 ran these things like a like an admiral. He was unbelievable. But uh, the thing is, he always gave me the part of the bitter herb. Every single year, I was the bitter herb, and and I begged him, let me read something else. And he said, No, no, you're the bitter herb. You'll always be the bitter herb. You're the bitter herb. That's it. The end. That's it. Goodbye. So. I decided to expand myself, and uh, with the Wicked Sun, and when this this book came out, when this I had the opportunity through you to do this, to be in this book, I said I'm going to change. I'm going to become. I'm going to go from the bitter herb to the Wicked Sun. So I made that tremendous transformation, and there it is. So. So did you write this poem for you know when the call for submissions came out? It, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I like doing characters, so it was it was that, that's kind of my strength. So uh, that one that one kind of called to me. So I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed writing it quite a bit. So absolutely it's a strong piece, and, and like I said, it's convincingly read. Do you do you read poetry in Miami? I do, I do. Yes, I've, I've been doing it a long time. So I do, I do. So. Well, I'm gonna have to, you know, uh, periodically we we head to Miami to visit my dad, so maybe uh, uh, I'll, I'll be in touch me with up, you. Look me up, please. Yeah. And we'll, I'll, let let me know where the good readings are, and we, you know we can we can go hang out. And, and I'll, I'll I'll let you buy me dinner, and it'll be great. <laughs> you are the wicked son. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you have a website or anything where people can check out more of your work? Uh, just uh, I I never know it, but just uh, it's through the Authors Guild. But just uh, if anyone wants to know any more, just Google me, and it's um, I'm all around there, so they can find that. Can I can I plug something? Is that possible? Sure, absolutely, yeah. Okay, in about six months, I have my autobiography is coming out. It's called Turbulence at Sixty Seven Inches, and it'll be for sale on Amazon and through Barnes and & Noble and, and all kind of groovy places like that. So, If anyone's interested in a very bizarre life, turbulence at 67 inches. So. I'm, I'm sure we're all, all curious what the 67 inches uh, refers to. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. So, um, well, good luck with that, and I, I really appreciate you, you calling in and, and, and a really strong reading. Thank you, Howard. Thank you. Thank you, Rick, and I'll be in touch with you. Take care. You too. That's uh, Howard Kamner calling from Miami Beach, Florida, one of the few Floridian cities that I've managed to pronounce correctly today during today's uh, uh, virtual Seder. Um, we have Daniel Y. Harris coming up in just a second, Barbara Elizick uh, right after that. Um, we're reading today from the book Poets Haggadah, Passover Through the Eyes of Poets. It contains 36 poets from all over the world. 
are reading poetry uh, that they sent to include in this book after a call for submissions I put out last year to reinterpret the Haggadah text. And not that there's anything wrong with the uh, Passover Haggadah text, but we all interpret things in our own way. We all uh, understand things through our own experiences. And uh, and so I, I really wanted to see what, uh, what poets had to say about this text. And, and in fact, last year at... My Passover Seder, uh, this book came out right before Passover, uh, but didn't start to, to really push it until, until the end because we had a, an event uh, reading from it uh, in L.A. Um, we, we used some of, the, some of your poems, some of these poems from this book at our Seder, at our second night, uh, quote, creative Seder, and it was really a unique uh, experience for, for everyone there. And if, if you're interested in doing the same, if you'd like to get a copy of the book, if you go to poetseder.com, P-O-E-T-S-E, der.com. You can uh, see who everyone who's in the book. You can uh, you can buy a copy right there. Um, it's also available on Amazon.com. Um, moving right now to Windsor, California. I'd like to say hi to Daniel Wally Harris. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. This is How are you doing? Going very well. I'm doing very well. I'm very happy to be uh, involved with this. It's uh, such a wonderful collection of readers. And it's also interesting to be a little further down in the show because the anticipation keeps building. <laughs> well, it's kind of like being on a, in, a, in an open mic or something. You know, you're, you're getting kind of nervous. And when, when are you going to call me? And you know, it's uh, are you able to listen to everyone else as you as you kind of prepare? But uh, but uh, well, well, here you are. Here. The the moment has arrived. The moment has arrived, and your directions on how to do this were wonderful. I mean, you. For all of us who need clear directions on how to do all of this, you were just perfect. Well, I, I would never describe myself as perfect, but I'm glad the instructions on how to call in were good. Speaking of which, I, I'm again at a point where, where the, the next few callers are not online. So if you're Barbara Elevick or Sal Butachi or Jonathan Penton, why don't you guys call in now if you're listening so we can make sure that, uh, that uh, we can get you on after, after Daniel. So, Daniel, you're from uh, Windsor, Cal- where, where is Windsor? Windsor is in Sonoma County. It's about uh, 10 miles north of Santa Rosa and about 80 miles north of San Francisco. Uh, this area is famous for its wine. We are adjacent to Napa County, so we have uh, the very famous California wines. Well, I do love California wine almost as much as French wine. And they may even rival Manischewitz. You never know. I, that's uh practically goes without saying, don't you think? <laughs> yes. Uh, All right, well, we, we've moved to um, the plague now, a very famous uh, a point in the, uh, in the Passover Seder. I, I encourage everyone to uh, shut their windows while, while, while you read your poem, and, you know, in case flogs, fr- frogs fly uh, through or anything of that nature, and, and let's get into it. Let's hear it. Okay. Here we go. Uh, this is, it, it's a longer poem, but the stanzas are short, so it should not take that much time to get through it. The poem, uh, Ten Plays, was actually written for this uh, anthology, uh, and I wrote it a couple of months before the uh, release in 2008. Ten Plagues, Blood, Crypto Myth of Albumen in the Fishy Nile, The Sorcerer Burns Above Stalks of Reed, The red reach stinks to high stench. Blood gives no conceit. Coagula, the theogonic trick. Frogs. 
stretch your staff to green anura, conjure eaters of gastropods, Aaron's hoard, Egypt of copy conceives, the spell comes and stays to slime. Lice. Strike at the dust this mass of lice, flip the finger of God, louse, veraptora, obligate host, clings to hair, feeds on skin, eggs laid in the darkest dark without rid. Beasts. Swarm of mixture, not in Goshen, pangolins, wildebeest, wild boars, hyenas, Worship in the wilderness, miscreant Moses, and remove the kill. We starve. No affection. Pestilence. The death of horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats. Israelite defense. Immune this epizootic, ulcerative, and arid. Drills to bone the ride, the source of food boils. Handful of soot skyward to Pharaoh, festers to boil on men and livestock. Furnuckle of pus and dead tissue strike priests who once in books of the dead heal this eczema of wind, no body in bodies. Hail. Hail mixed with fire, preternatural to orchard and crops, strained to water ice, cumulanibus, updrafts in rare sand, this time sin, world mastery in prayer, lands on no ground to disappear without promise. Locusts. Harden the heart and split the sea, compromise the locust spin of migratory acrida to purge the plant and tree. When done, they say, leave us here. Darkness. Irises of nyctophobes dilate, sun hunted to bargain for three days. Horus is blind. Zero rest mass of unnatural black. What god riots eyes? Take it. Death of firstborn. Submit and stroll by the black mold of firstborn, cladosporium, the blooded doorpost. Mark of marks tolls the bloodline with alger mortis. No stutter for a slavery of arms. Wow, Daniel, that was, um, that was an epic uh, piece about the plagues. Thank you very much for sharing it. Well, you're welcome. Um, so what, what inspired you to write, uh, to write this particular piece? Or, uh, did you write it for the book, or did you have it on, on file when you, when you got the uh, submission, call for submissions? Well, I, I, I wrote it for the book, but I have been a, a student of Judaism for, for most of my adult life. Uh, I went to divinity school. I, I studied rabbinics. I did not become a rabbi, though I did uh, contemplate becoming one. I spent most of my years before the nonprofit sector uh, teaching Jewish studies, but I've always been intrigued because, yes, Judaism has a profound and comedic uh, quality to it, but it also Judaism has a high intelligence. I think in many ways that is, that is part of the difficulty for a lot of people is that it is a very difficult religion to understand, 
its God is idiosyncratic, is multifaceted, and therefore I think when things like plagues or issues of, of difficulty arise in Judaism, whether it's in holy writ or whether it is just in normative practice, the intelligence of it is profound. And I wanted to emulate that level of intelligence. I, I think that that is, it, it approaches genius. And so how do we, uh, on the tail end of, of antiquity, to not be anachronistic, how do we write a poem that doesn't want to replace Holy Writ, but can stand, if you will, in proximity to it? So when, when this came along, I thought, okay, here is my, here's my chance to try to do something that intrigued me because I must admit when I was a little boy after I came here from France, um, I, I was here I think sometime before or after my, my bar mitzvah, I was so intrigued with the plagues that I began to write them down. And actually I, I wrote them backwards. And then I tried to add a little bit of French and a little bit of Hebrew. So I was already kind of making, if you will, a, a, a kind of a linguistic soup out of, out of the concept. So when this came along, basically it was a, a, a sojourn back to those moments of my childhood when I just wanted to wrestle with this genius. Hmm. Well, um, it, I'm just so pleased that you uh, uh, you were the second person who has indicated that you that you wrote the piece for the book, and it's always interesting to me. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy to have inspired. Uh, I, I don't know if it's right that I inspired, but that art was created. You know, um, that there's an, another reason to to put something out there, and uh, your connection to uh, the plagues is interesting as well. And um, I appreciate you reading it. Um, do you do you participate in readings uh, in in uh, in the Windsor area? Well, you know, I, I I have for years. Just I'm I'm here in Sonoma County for the last three years. I was very active in the San Francisco poetry scene for years, uh, but I actually have read uh, this poem at several uh, Santa Rosa uh, uh, reading uh, venues, um, and so I will continue to do so. I do have this book on my website, so so people so I'm, I'm promoting uh, the the poets Haggadah on my website, which is uh, danielwhiteharris.com. And also, I'd, I'd like to plug, if I could, uh, one of your contributors is, uh, is Adam Schechter, who's a very good friend of mine. And uh, we uh, collaborated on a book called uh, Paul Celan and the Messiah's Broken Levered Tongue, which is coming out uh, via uh, Trevina Barber Press in Somerville, Massachusetts. And information on that book is also on my website. Great. Well, Daniel, I appreciate you calling in um, and participating in the uh, Poet Seder Project. And um, I'm, uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Rick. It's been a real pleasure and you are doing remarkable work. And yes, you are a very funny man. <laughs> well, thank you for looking, maybe. Um, all right. Well, that was Daniel Y. Harris calling from Windsor, California. It uh, seems like there was a, a bit of a glitch in the blog talk radio uh, uh, process, and they, they cut off the live portion of the show um, at uh, 3. So we're going to pick it up again at 3.30. Uh, those of you listening in the archive, that will mean nothing to you except that the show is going to end right now, and you can click on Part 2 um, and listen to the rest of the show. Uh, so click on part two at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash PSH, and uh, you will be able to hear the rest of the show. <laughs>